0: Now, for your listening pleasure, a Strange Uncle's Replay.
1: Open the gates.
0: You're listening to a fourth-hand production.
2: You know, this is just, 2019's been a, just, I'll be honest with you, a fucking weird year flat out for ufos yeah
3: and so yeah you with know, all what kinds of stuff really <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly 2020 hasn't proven to be any more normal either so. no
2: i i yeah. don't even want to talk about it it's <laughs> let's not even talk about it story
0: in the news today you believe in ghosts and the paranormal are they, are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't uh, know, planes man. that they're
3: building? And police in Espanola are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts.
2: was this weird animal-like creature that was shot. Wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. welcome everybody to strange uncles i'm shane i'm john
3: i'm josh
2: and we actually have the pleasure of having somebody else on uh on this podcast episode you might have remembered uh just before john and josh kind of came on board and we made this trio um i had a kind of a montana washington road trip and i had looked up different people and of course my hometown is uh close missoula montana and butte And I had looked up and found this man by the name of Michael P. Masters. Uh, Michael P. Masters, uh, obviously, we're going to introduce him shortly, but he is a great author of a book. And uh, it was a fantastic interview, but at this juncture, that was like a year ago. And I thought we should have him on just so he can talk about the nature of the world and kind of where we're at and dive more into just everything that he's kind of encountered over the... It's almost been a year, if not a little over. So welcome, Michael P. Masters of Strange Uncles
3: thank you very much uh it's good to be on
2: yeah yes oh and uh shane that's that's dr michael p masters
0: to you <laughs> oh get
3: out of town no need for formalities here come on
2: <laughs> touche yeah you got me corrected absolutely so anyway um if you guys haven't read the book um it actually is pretty amazing it's uh, identified uh flying objects and uh, you came out with that i think last time we talked it took you, what was it, seven years to, to compile and write and publish?
3: Yeah, yeah. It took seven years. I started in October 2012. Um, I remember I was at some sort of uh, beer drinking event. It was at a, a brewery. That's all I remember. Um, and yeah, I had a student and I asked him, hey, you want to kind of help me? get this project off the ground. I've been thinking about it for decades. And I feel like now's a good time to start. And he was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but sure. Uh, are you going to pay me? And I was like, yeah, i for that. <laughs> a so bit. I, I had a bunch of, um, I've gotten a number of grants over the years and I had some extra money from those. So I put him on as a research assistant just to do a little bit of uh, research into some various UFO, time travel related things, and um, yeah, that's how it all started. And uh, took took quite a while, but it was a, a fun project.
0: It was well worth it too. I spent uh, I purposely kind of put off reading the book until we knew we were going to interview you again. So the last three days, I've just uh, blown through it, and. It's very compelling, the argument you make for the time-traveling hypothesis and what you refer to as the extra-tempestrials. Tempe- um, Nailed it.
3: Yeah. A lot of people struggle with that. I don't know why. It's the same as extraterrestrial, just with temp instead of tear. But, yeah, you got it. Rolls yeah. off the tongue, I think, if you do it a couple of times.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I don't know – After reading um, some of your theories on why they would just be our distant relatives, it makes perfect sense as far as some of the abduction stories you have, uh, you know, taking sperm or eggs or anything and how they have to, they have to be our species if they're going to procreate with us. I mean, that just makes so much sense to me. Um, Yeah. yeah, And I know we said, I know we said we weren't going to talk about it a ton, but I just barely read it. And it's so amazing. Do you want to just give us like a little overview on kind of. Yeah, it-
3: sure. Um, Cause there's probably a number of your listeners and, and watchers, I guess, yeah. since we're all on video here um, that haven't read it. So cliff notes version, it looks at the UFO phenomenon in the context of um, generally human evolution and time travel. And, if we continue to evolve in the same way we have over the last six to eight million years since we became bipedal, upright walking, uh, we're likely to have lighter skin, uh, less hair, uh, bigger, rounder skulls, uh, retracted mid and lower facial anatomy. Um, th- these are all just trends that exist throughout our evolutionary past. And so, if we can project those forward, if we can extrapolate those trends into the future, we'd be very likely to look like your archetypal gray alien. Um, and, and then if we also evolve our technology as we have since 3.3 million years ago when we first developed stone tools, um, all of the, the computers we're talking on right now are cell phones, wrenches, automobiles, all of these things are the direct descendants of those first stone tools Because we've constantly innovated and improved upon the things that came before. So if we continue to do that, and we develop the knowledge and the machinery and the materials and engineering to produce a backward time travel machine, um, it might explain why these aliens and their UFOs, which I argue are the time machines themselves, at least some of them, some appear to be sort of scout craft or uh, some are most certainly U.S. military craft that we just don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. But we would expect to have both the physical form and uh, these technologies, backward time travel technology in particular, if we continue these same trends, both cultural and biological, into the distant future. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, you know what surprises me, too, and, and it's something that, you know, I know this, this theory was kicked around kind of the UFO community for, for a time. Like I've heard bits and pieces of it over the years, not really anything substantial, but for you to put it together (laughs) and, and bring it out and do the research. And now where it is actually in the UFO community, I guess my first thing is a, a question of, um, how's it been, how's it been represented? How's it been introduced into everything? How are people taking this? Like, I would feel you've got pretty positive feedback from it, but where does that stand in the whole weird UFO thing
3: yeah it's it's a good question and it's it's been pretty variable i'd say overall it's been tremendously positive um <clears throat> and you kind of have to break it down between the response from my academic colleagues um friends and family and then ufo community and obviously, your friends and family, if they're worth a damn, are going to support you regardless of what you're doing. Um, yeah. So we're, and check that box. Um, the academic side of things, I wasn't really sure about. So I waited until I got um, tenure, obviously. That's the reason tenure exists yeah. is to protect people and uh, allow them to ask big questions and push the boundaries a little bit. Um, I got promoted to full professor a couple years ago, so I didn't have to worry about it impeding progress in that regard. Um, and then beyond that, it, it was tremendously supportive. Uh, when I had my uh, book release party back in March of last year, March 22nd, I think it was, I'd say 40 to 50% of the people there were fellow scientists, um, PhDs from oh. the university, wow. just a lot of people that came out to support it. Um, I, I, got, uh, an email from my Dean. Um, I was up for a 10 year service award and the head of our university shook my hand. Today hey, I saw a Fox news article about you, your UFO research. That's great. So like from top to bottom, it's, um, it's been a lot of encouragement and support. Um, I, I remember specifically when I first told the chair of my department, I was going to do this, uh, cause I was, you know, bringing on that a research assistant, like I mentioned earlier before we started. And, um, and it was like, you know, I'm going to publish this book and who knows what the response will be. There might be some pushback. And and he kind of looked at me all cockeyed and he said, that's our job, dude. Like we're supposed to be <laughs> asking questions and pushing the boundaries of, of what we know scientifically and just kind of shook his head like dumbass what are you, what are you even asking <laughs> my permission for like yeah. yeah go do that go do your job yeah um so so from early on i had a lot of support here institutionally um as far as the ufo community at first there was a lot of um i'd, I'd say sort of uh, abrasion some some pushback there especially from people that uh, really cling to the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Right. Um, some who had built careers around it, some who vacillate back and forth or just jump on board with whatever cool is going on to try to sell books or merch or whatever at these UFO events. Or themselves
2: in their or, name. Yeah,
3: yeah, in their name. Yeah, because it, it's, it's become a branding thing. And, and we have that same thing in academia where we have people that have built their career around this idea, and and if you know people start to push back, especially younger people or people coming into that area of research that weren't there before, they they are oftentimes attacked and demonized by those entrenched academics. So I, I kind of expected that to some extent, but outside of those people, um, I think a lot of a lot of people, if they have an open mind, if they're not stuck in in dogma. Um, or charlatans, as as you mentioned, then yeah. then they, they they look at what I present in the book and say, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's a real possibility, and we should consider that alongside these other models. And, and as you mentioned, people have been talking about this as a possibility for a long time. And, and as George Knapp told me uh, six, seven months ago, uh, he said, I've seen this presented as a possibility, but your book's the first time I've seen it really put forward with a lot of scientific um, backing and, and, combining this multidisciplinary approach to uh, really trying to advocate for this. So, so yeah, I mean the idea, it's an idea, it's been around forever. I mean, I'm sure people have, have been talking about this as a possibility for decades or maybe hundreds of years, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been a wild ride. Uh Ups and downs, and it's just been fun to get out and talk about it. Um, doing radio interviews, podcasts. I've been on uh, History Channel a couple times for. Oh, really?
1: Various oh. things.
3: Yeah, it's been on three episodes of Ancient Aliens, and mm. there's a couple others coming out that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about. But um I'm <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, trying on. to get the word out there and and see what happens.
0: Yeah, well, I think you laid it out. Obviously, that idea of time traveling has been presented, but yeah, like George Knapp said, I mean, you lay it out in such a detailed scientific way that after reading, I just barely finished it like an hour ago before we hopped on. <laughs> um, but I was just kind of blown away because I'm like, that makes total sense. It, yeah. Yeah. So much more like, cause I, you know, I was on the fence. I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm open to the extraterrestrial hypothesis. I'm open to the extratempestrial type hypothesis. Um, but now after reading this, the extra hypothesis, just, it makes way more sense, especially with the way that you've laid it out and the evolution of human beings and just with, with the breeding of the species and also, um, man, I'm getting ahead of myself. I had two more things (laughs) that I was super stoked about with where I was just like, Oh, the language. Yeah. Um, yeah. how you talk about you know there's not one other species on this planet that we can actually have a conversation with
3: right yeah you know? and how would a, a species that evolved on a different planet know our languages or even have the physical uh, anatomy to communicate with us and and yeah i mean it like i said I, i'm obviously advocating for this time travel model but i i don't see it as mutually exclusive with with the extraterrestrial hypothesis or when people talk about interdimensionality that to me that's the same thing as as the time travel model because clearly they're if they are from a different dimension they're from a more advanced period in human evolution that was a split at some point if you adhere to the Many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. That's just it's a different Mm timeline, but they're still from our future. So I don't see those as as being a different thing at all. Um, But yeah, like it it explains a lot of it. Mostly the gray alien part. I talk about as you just read because I think it's in chapter eleven or twelve. How some of the variation, like the more insect-like or reptile-like beings, could be from our very distant future, maybe even like a post human period in our our future maybe a billion years from now me and whitley streber were talking about this because that's an explanation that he adheres to for the mantis men uh reptilian forms too that it's it's a post-human period where insects basically were the ones that survived and and grew to the cognitive level that that we enjoy and uh, possibly learn to time travel and, and come back to or, or maybe it's just humans that are so far f- removed from us because they're at such a distant point of evolutionary future that we just don't recognize them anymore they look like weird reptile things or i, d- I just did an interview with um, uh reese darby he's a new zealand actor and he's got a new podcast out and uh i just listened to it oh, yesterday because wow. it just came out but he uh <laughs> after i got off uh the part where i was talking he was like yeah and you know maybe humans went back and fucked a dinosaur and then that's where we get the <laughs> reptilians i thought that's what he's gonna say the whole time he never said that but <laughs> I was like, maybe that's a possibility who knows um yeah. so so yeah i mean it doesn't explain everything and i didn't intend for it to but uh i, I do hope that at least fills in some holes or uh, one thing that's been great, I'm kind of rambling now, I apologize for that, oh, no, one you're fine. that's been great is that uh, a lot of people who have had an experience have reached out to me and said, oh. this is what happened. And after reading your book, I feel like a, a, a sense of calm or acceptance that I didn't have before. Because wow. the, the anal probing is a real thing that happens to a lot of people and they feel very violated when that happens. The removal of sperm, egg, developing embryos, like that's a very intrusive procedure. So yeah. when people see it in the context of their fellow humans, um, and in the context of science or reproduction, it, it, at least to them, what they've told me, it does kind of help them uh, make some sense of it, or at least have some sort of closure, I guess, in a way. Wow,
2: yeah, that's actually—I never even thought about that. That's another thing to fold into it. So, you know, and if you don't mind me asking on that, ha- have you had a lot of people that that had encounters? come to you like is there a, a big percentage of that
3: oh my god yeah so much wow, that's crazy um, ah. i was on coast to coast am about a week after the book came out and um good lord i spent probably six to eight hours over the course of the next three days responding to people um a lot of them were experiencers many were scientists um some claim to have been x ex- military cia intelligence who you know i I have no way of vetting who people are but they said things that that were things i overlooked that were pretty Mm. insightful like maybe they did actually have some experience with this um i've given talks at ufo conferences and every time after a talk i get a flood of people that come up and tell me their experiences. Some, most, I would say most, have been positive. Uh, Many of them have very um, sort of almost like a sense of awareness. Like, you know, when you Mm -hmm. do mushrooms the first time and you're like, wow, there's this whole other world. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm aware. I'm aware. You know, unfortunately, you can't bring a lot of that back with you into reality, but it does give you this insight. And many of them have told me they come away with it with a sense of uh, just deeper awareness and, and empathy, especially that w- whatever it is about our future human descendants, they've reached a point where there's, there's not so much aggression or violence where there's just a, a deeper sense of empathy that wow. they carry with them for a couple weeks. It's a very commonly reported thing. Others are pissed about it and like, I wish they'd leave me and my damn family alone Yeah, because it's not just them, but their brothers, sisters, their grandparents Uh have been um, plagued by this Mm -hmm. in their mind. And and I talk about that in the book too, in the context of reproduction, if they're sampling specific haplogroups whose genes are novel to future humans, it might help explain that aspect of it where they sample specific lineages and get mm-hmm. genes from individual members of mm-hmm. those haplogroups, but no, like, it's, it's been fun. Abductions do tend to run on like in like family lines, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Would, yeah, they do. That would be a nice, tidy little explanation for why that is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's another thing that kind of makes sense in the context of this model for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. I can see being pissed though. If you didn't sign up for the study and you just keep having to be <laughs> yeah. uh, part of the study, you like, uh, leave me the fuck alone. Right.
3: Yeah. And when we, when we, when we get people to participate in our studies, we give them like a $50 Amazon card or something. You yeah. Know? They're just some, somebody sticking something up your butt. And what did you yeah. get for it? Ain't, Here, here's a flower. Shopping online. Or, yeah. 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 At least if they kicked us down some good weed or something, you know, like, Hey, sorry for your trouble, but yeah. can, you 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 can you kiss me yeah, first?
2: Can you
0: kiss me first? Future least, weed, man. Future you know? weed's gotta be, it's gotta be fantastic.
3: I'm sure. I'm sure. No, no anxiety, no paranoia. Just, oh. yeah.
0: Sure. Talking about the evolution of human history, let's talk about the evolution of the weed strains.
2: <laughs> the important things. Yeah. The very important things. So anyway. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick break, Michael, if you want to uh, spare time with us real quick during a promo. And then we've got more questions to come back, and they're going to get a little deeper. So all right, bear this with us. Good. So awesome.
3: Are you easily offended? Because if you are, you should probably stop listening are you interested in the bizarre and unusual? Are you fascinated by the grizzly sides of life? Are you the one that people call weirdo? Well then,
2: you should get hip to Strange Brew Podcast, a podcast with a bunch of crazy connects. Tune in every week with Strange Brew's host, Tomcat, aka Tom Thompson. And Billy
0: Kirby, along with many different guests.
2: As we drink booze and we discuss anything strange and paranormal, from serial killers to aliens and all of the above. So crack those beers. And toss on those tinfoil hats. Because, because it's, it's about, about to get strange. And we are back, actually, with Michael P. Masters. Um, I think when we left, we're talking about space weed. Was that right?
3: Time weed. Time weed. Time weed. (laughs) Time weed. Yeah. We get down to the the real question.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we get to the real important issues on this show. Yes, indeed. Well, you got to find the balance.
3: Future time, we're gonna be like you got to find the the true
2: philosophers. (laughs) Um, So, I'm actually we're gonna throw this out here real quick, and I I don't believe you read the book, but we did reach out to our Patreon members and just ask them, you know, if they had any questions, and uh, we had a couple bite. uh, And this is, and again, I don't think you read the book, but this is what he's asking. This is from Drew Hudson. Uh, Based on your experience, what is the single most compelling evidence supporting the existence of intelligent uh, terrestrial life? The one thing you would show a non-believer. Hmm. And that is a loaded question, I'm sure.
3: Oh, yeah. So is is that referring to just the phenomenon as a whole or... This specific model,
2: I think the phenomenon as a whole, because I I don't believe you've read the book yet, and and he uses the word extraterrestrial, so I think that uh, okay,
0: Okay. you know, we can we can approach
3: it from your specific model too, though, if you would prefer exactly, okay, either way, yeah. Well, uh, let's do that then. Um, I mean, I I honestly think just because of credibility, the the whole Tic Tac USS Nimitz thing has kind of become that because for so long, it, I've been interested in this since I was a, a wee lad. I think I was about eight years old. Um, but everyone always said, well, where, where are the pictures? Where are the videos? And especially after we all carry around video cameras uh, in our pockets, where where is the indisputable footage? And and I think with that Tic Tac video, um, having been validated or at least acknowledged, uh showing technology that they couldn't identify Mm -hmm. um and that was doing things that aren't physically possible in our current time is is a pretty good start and and a lot of people since that have started to open their eyes and say oh wow these people haven't been crazy for the last like hundreds of years (laughs) right that uh there is something going on here so I think that's a good place to start, and especially in the context of, of this model, this time travel model, um, and I think uh, it was just actually a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week even, that uh, Jack Sarfati, a, a physicist who has also been advocating for this time travel model, an article just came out where he was describing how the only way that any biological entity inside that craft with its, uh, I think it moved from like 40,000 feet to 10,000 feet in a matter of seconds, milliseconds. The only way a biological organism could withstand those G-forces is if it was time traveling. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that's something I argue too. There's a a tiny bit about it in the book and, uh, in the follow-up book, I'm, I'm writing more about this, that what we see is this instantaneous acceleration where this thing's just sitting here, all of a sudden it's just zipping off in this direction or that direction, and that would smash anything inside to oblivion. But if, if they're controlling space time as they move, then what we see is this rapid acceleration and deceleration to them could be just coming to a slow stop Uh, you know, reaching across like George Costanza's dad in that Seinfeld episode. How many people get that? Stopping short, I think, was his. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you grab your lady friend, and you're Um, like, "Hang on, I'm slamming on the brakes here, darling. I'm saving your life." it's, It's a slow, slow deceleration to them. We see it as this abrupt stop. Um, but in the context of this model, that makes sense. That explains how they could do that and still adhere to the laws of physics and still not be destroyed on the inside of the craft by the g-forces so if we look at this tic-tac video in the context of a reliable source uh it was a cockpit camera it was an infrared which is interesting because they might not have seen it maybe they cloaked themselves in the visual light spectrum uh between 400 and 700 nanometers in, in that wavelength of the electromagnetic spectrum we, they might be all around us all the time. And it's only once we look at infrared or some other wavelength that we detect them, uh, that would be a simple cloaking mechanism to, to shift that frequency away from you and your craft. Um, but if we look at all of the aspects of this event, it seems very real. Uh, and it seems like it, it would fit within the context of this model as well. Wow.
2: Well, let's, so, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josh.
3: I was just going to say that that would be a simple cloaking device for a civilization that can time travel, right? Like, oh, yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably child's play. They, they might have their children working on that in the future. Just uh, <laughs> like, hey, we're doing the time travel thing. You kids go get that, uh, figure out cloaking.
0: Yeah. yeah, get the infrared thing. You know, yeah, yeah the adults are working. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, this is a, there's these other dumb kids over here that's doing the volcano experiment. That's way way like yeah. some ancient <laughs> ancient history thing. You but know, that's important kind of, too.
3: You know. Oh yeah. Sci- well, no. Science on all levels is important. That's right. That is that's True. Right. That
1: is so true.
2: let's talk about that tic tac for a while. This is what I want to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, I mean, and that's not the only thing, but that as of recent, of last year, and going into this year, you know, it's still being talked about. It's still being out yeah. there. You obviously have been to uh you know seminars and um you know other events that that I'm sure this has been brought up.
3: Your yeah. your oh, yeah.
2: viewpoint on this Tic Tac, like where's that where's that sit with you personally?
3: Uh I love it. Yeah. Personally, because it it's something I mean, starting with Leslie Keen and that you know, I think she had a co author too. I don't remember the co author's name. Um, but starting with that, and I actually just called into a podcast cause she was on and I happened to come across it. I just wanted to thank her. Oh. Uh, like, look, this, this has been so great for people like me who are in academia, who weren't allowed to talk about this at all. I was still going to do it. I've been working on the book for five years before this came out, but, um, it, that to me was really, um, useful I would say that validating and, and useful in the sense that I had a pivot point I could say yep. well wait have yep. you seen exactly. this tic-tac video have you seen this USS Nimitz account I could I could turn the turn the tables back on the the critics or the, yeah. the haters and say well look the the U.S. Navy or whoever the hell came out with that, probably the air force, I would think
0: it was the Navy. It was, even was it? Though they, yeah, the, the fighter pilots were with the Navy. Oh yeah. Cause um, it
3: was off of a carrier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that to me was, uh, really, uh, really important transition. And then you have the, uh, the AA tip come out. Right. In fact, the, right. the day my book was released, that release party that I mentioned on March 22nd, a reporter from the local news came up and did a little interview here behind me. I played with some skulls and talked about the theory. <laughs> and then he, he went off and did his own little solo thing. I watched him do it out my window because he did it right in front of my office, but he kept walking back and forth and, and trying to find the right way to say this. Cause it, it's, it was hard for him too. He's doing a UFO <laughs> story uh, for the six o'clock news. Um, but that was the first thing he said is that, the 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 government just acknowledged this twenty two million dollar AA tip uh, right. program and right uh, maybe we should all be taking this seriously he even started with this is the point in the story where the reporter says oh yeah little green men must be a crazy professor doing all these drugs um, but he acknowledged that and and said maybe we should take this seriously and and the yeah the reporters that introduced the story are like snicker and like oh there's this crazy ass professor but. Yeah. Montana tech doing whatever. And then they came back and they're all like, Hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, when yeah. you, when you have a world superpower coming out and <laughs> saying, we don't know what that is. And we yeah. got it on film and they even have higher quality videos that they actually stepped on that video a bunch from oh, really? what, I, yeah. from what I've heard that the, the actual videos that the military have are way clearer than that as well.
3: Interesting. We'll never like
0: see those, but
3: I'm sure. one well, yeah. someday. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It feels like something's happening and things are changing. Um, and and who knows? Maybe that's the tip of the iceberg. Oh, also, um, uh, Tom DeLonge's thing. The, to oh, the yeah, Stars Academy. Yeah, They've the Stars done a Academy. lot. Yeah. They've done a lot to kind of push things forward and get more people interested. So mm-hmm.
2: you know, people laugh about that. They people laugh about Tom Long and and oh yeah, he's just this this yeah singer that got into this just musician. But you know what? He's sunken a fucking lot of money into these private research and what things look like and trying to get the right groups of people together and partnering with things. I mean, to me, that's impressive. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. what. Well, I moving, mean, you know?
0: if you look at who's backing this, whatever, you know, singer, I mean, yeah. Chris Mellon, like all these high up dudes, very important people within the government are backing him. Yeah. So, how, I
3: mean, how put off is a part of that yeah. team as well. Really respectable yep. scientist. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had a conversation with uh, Chris Mellon not too long ago, and um, he he's he he really looks at it in the, the sense of defense, like, mm-hmm. like what are we going to do if they attack us? I'm like, why would they attack us? Really? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that not make any sense. If huh. I mean, in the context of this model, it doesn't make any sense at all why they would mm-hmm. attack us if right. they rely on us to exist for them to exist, but there's still, he's, he's in that mentality a lot. Like we need to protect ourselves and we need to be fearful of this and it, it makes sense.
2: Well, but and I think too, going back to what you were talking about before into the break about uh, the um, uh, the people that come out that have had encounters and have experiences and they're relying on you, it yeah. makes them feel better. I think that that's the other side of that. You know, no, if this is the model we're going by, like you said, yeah, they're, they're not, this is not what's gonna happen. You know, yes, it's no. a little off putting with everything, but I, I think maybe that's some of that put it in, at ease of a thing yeah. you know? so many
3: people have told me that they they read the book and they're like uh, one of my best friends uh said i've always been afraid of an alien invasion he was a kid and he watched something and it kind of freaked him out he's like i read your book and i'm like i'm not afraid anymore like why would they why would they yeah. ever evade us um a lot of people have also said it gives some hope in the future of humanity that we're you know we're going through this virgin soil pandemic right now and we're always on the brink of nuclear holocaust and and it seems like we could destroy ourselves at any moment but if this model's correct it means we're going to survive and thrive into the distant future and i think that's been comforting for people as well
0: yeah i was uh, just yesterday i was on my porch reading your book and my neighbor came over and i was telling her all about it and you know and she was like wow she's like so if that's true i guess we make it yeah, <laughs> I'm like I, I'm. A, I didn't really think about that, but yeah, yeah. that means we uh, somehow push through the climate change and yeah. uh, viruses yeah. and
3: it, it's we some weird continue hope to evolve.
0: Yeah, you know, we continue it's a to weird way to have grow. hope,
3: but it is. Yeah. It's it's hope for the future. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Something to believe in, I guess.
2: Yeah, everybody needs uh, something to believe in, not just a cool poison song. Just saying,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael. I have a I have kind of a weird question, but if you could travel back in time to any point in the human history, what point would that be to where you could do your own abductions and study the people?
3: <laughs> huh?
0: Um, I guess it could even go further, like to Australia, pithecus or whatever, like, well, just- that's
3: what I was thinking. And, and mm-hmm. it's possible that there might be an upper limit on how far back we can go. Um, I, I wish I would have explained this more in the book. There was like, maybe three paragraphs about it but if if we're reorienting light cones toward the past in order to be travel in order to be able to travel into the past um that still only moves us into the past at the speed of life like how fast we perceive time now it doesn't Mm. project us into the past so um in order to move backward at a high rate of speed into the distant past we might need to move at a high rate of speed. We might need to just shoot really fast through space and time while those light cones are oriented toward the past in the same way that uh, the twins paradox, special relativity, where if you travel at a high rate of speed relative to those in a rest frame, you move into the future relative to them. So we might have to move into the future of the past as those light cones are reoriented toward it in order to go to the distant past. But there might be Hmm. a limit as to how far back we could go. So with that, um, Out of the way <laughs> <laughs> I If it is possible to go millions of years I would personally like to go back to the time Of Homo habilis And this is the really geeky uh, Nerdy reason Geek why Geek out on us man <clears throat> Alright so Throughout the evolution of, of hominins From auroran to genensis The australopithecines as you mentioned This transition between the australopithecines And our genus Homo is it's not a missing link if anybody uses that term just flick them in the nose or the <laughs> eyeball because it's a stupid outdated term but it's a period in which we have less information than oh. we do from the australopithecines and homo erectus which came after homo habilis and and so much happened our brain size increased by 20 percent. we started making stone tools um, clearly we were becoming Much more interesting culturally and and physiologically, but we just don't have good representation Mm. of their skeletal anatomy. So I would go back and uh, do exactly what these extra tempestrials do to us. I would get DNA, I would take scans, I would take tissue samples, I'd probably even steal some sperm and egg and try to make some. Little Homo habilis babies here, and <laughs> raise them, and just say, "Oh, my kid's a little weird." Sorry, <laughs> um, but, but what what better way to know their anatomy and their culture than than studying them by seeing them, looking at them, uh, do CT scans, MRIs, and then we don't we don't have to just wait for the the fossils to show up. We don't have to apply for the grant wow. money to go dig in East Africa to Find tiny fragments of them. We have all of that stuff available. So, so for me personally, I would, I would go to about 2.5 million years ago and, and see what our ancestors were doing then.
2: Man. That, yeah, that's, that's deep. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I think. And I don't know, why do you suppose that is a case where we have more evidence from another, another age or another lineage, but we don't in that section. Is it just.
3: It's sampling. Yeah. It's sampling error. Okay. Um, the, the farther back we go, the less information we have in general, it's an aspect of archeology span and paleoanthropology, like mm. anything that was laid down, you drop your pen on the ground. It's easy to find. It's right there. Right. But you dropped your pen on the ground 10,000 years ago. How do you find that pen? So yeah. the farther back you go, things get destroyed. They get covered up by dirt. East Africa is unique because the, the great rift Valley opened up and uplifted. Um, soil from about four to five million years ago. So that's why we have such great representation of our oh. hominid ancestors from that time. It was geologic. It just presented it to us. It said, here you go, children, you can have these fossils now. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, just the way it is. I mean, ev- everything had gaps and we started to fill them in. That's just one of the last gaps essentially.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Uh, amazing. That's kind of cool. That's interesting. Um, we're gonna take another quick break so because we know you're a little limited on time, so we'll take a break and then come back to you and kind of do a 15 20 minute wrap up if you're good with that, Michael. Yeah, sounds good. Outstanding. Here we go.
1: Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Yes, will I am. Are you ready to bring on the weird? Did you did you just make a will I am joke? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> nice. I'll allow it. Anyway, we're just a couple of harmless
3: guys digging into weird things we don't know much about.
1: We're just trying to figure out what the hell is happening in the world outside our homes. Do we get things wrong? Without a doubt. Are we learning from those mistakes? Not anytime soon. Are you entertained by the crap we're talking about? Of course. That's why I always listen to the show.
3: You listen? Alright, what do you like to listen to about the show?
1: I like aliens, conspiracies, cryptids, NWO, shadow government, you name it.
3: What? Oh, Hold on. Do the aliens come from inside the Earth instead of interstellar travel? What made the conspiracy start? Why did that cryptid evolve to do the things it does? Who runs this NWO?
1: Listen in as we dive into all manners of subjects as we bring on the weird. You
3: can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to clips of our episodes on our YouTube channel.
1: Listen, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: All right, and we're back, Michael. Thank you for the patience. Appreciate it. Um Yeah, so so I've got a couple questions in regards to the UFO community. And I know, you know, we brought this up in the very beginning. And, and we talk about this with the guests we have on, and we talk about this amongst ourselves too, because it does, and it's not just UFOs, just, I guess, a high strangeness or the 14 community in general. Everybody is on their own little thing sometimes. Now, not everyone. There's some people that kind of, they get together, they partnership, they collaborate, and I love seeing that. But it seems like there's a lot of people that don't. So as yeah. you got welcomed in this community, this book, these seminars, everything that, that you have going on, has that been have you seen a lot of that? Has that been frustrating to you? And 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 I know there's some people that are, you know, you got names out there and some people that aren't.
3: How do you handle those situations? Have you seen a lot of that or no? Um, yeah, I have actually. I was kind of surprised to some extent at first. Like I, I really thought the pushback would come from my academic colleagues where I'd be blackballed from conferences and had papers denied and whatnot. But um, <clears throat> the there's, like I mentioned earlier in the show, there's been overwhelming support, uh, institutionally and, and also from the UFO community to a large extent, but there are, there are certain individuals who, um, really adhere to a specific model or, or like you said, they they've done so much research online or they have a YouTube channel and they, they just, they got it all figured out. And, and that's, uh, you know, you find that anywhere. It's not just in right. the UFO community. Right. You have those people with opinions that always think they're right. And I, I forget what it's called. There's actually a, a term for it in psychology where individuals who have the least amount of knowledge <laughs> think they're the most right about everything. And it's, 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 it's somebody's name, hyphen somebody's name, like Wenner, hyphen or something like that, but it's an actual real psychological phenomenon. Um, There's others. And you mentioned there's a lot of collaboration who have open minds, who want to work with people who see merit in the research that they're doing. And that's been happening too. It's been a a tremendous response among people in the UFO community who aren't really tied to one particular model and just want to know what's going on. And I, I noticed this split early on, after I publish the book, there's the ones that just want to believe anything. They want to jump on board with whoever, whoever's trending right. at that moment, right. whatever big name is talking about whatever crazy idea they came up with to sell books or promote themselves. And then there's this other group that's like, what is going on here? This is cool. And I want to know more about it. And, and I've mostly interacted with those people for obvious reasons, because I'm yeah. trying to present... <laughs> a a grounded model to explain this thing
2: yeah
3: yeah um so the other ones i just ignore for the most part um they the the ones that go to the conferences and give the talks they ignore me too so it works out we just pretend like we don't exist and we (laughs) do our own thing uh if they start trying to attack me it's on like fucking donkey kong because i got all (laughs) kinds of shit to draw from to throw at them but but it, it hasn't been the case. We've just kind of uh, politely ignored each other. Um, but then there are also a lot of people who just who just love thinking and love conversating and and uh, it, I've really enjoyed interacting with those people and I'd say they're the vast majority so I've been lucky in that respect.
2: That's I, that's good to hear actually and I was wondering and I know there's a lot of so-called experts. you know anybody that says they're an expert in this field, you're full of fucking shit because that is yeah. not the case. There's no experts in this field in any way, shape or form,
3: you know? No, no. I, I remember I was in a, an Uber in LA going to shoot a history channel thing. And he was like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to shoot a episode of this show for the history channel. Uh, and he's like, Oh, what do you do? And I, I told him what I do. And he's like, so why, what, what? And I was <laughs> like, well, they're bringing me on as an expert. And he couldn't see my air quotes. And he's like, so so you can be an expert in like UFO shit, <laughs> 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 but you're right, man. Nobody has all the answers. Nobody knows everything, and uh, I, I certainly don't claim to. I'm just I'm trying to use my background to put something forward, and people can. Um, I I encourage people to look at it critically. That's what we should all be doing with all of this stuff. We should all have an open, but also highly critical mind.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's something John covered in the beginning of how you, even how you introduced the book in the very (laughs) beginning of it. You know, it's a hypothesis. It's a, this, you had these people peer review it. This is how you put it out. And I think that's great. It's not like, Hey, had this wild hair up my ass. Here's a book, you know? And I think that's really a, a awesome way to do it. So. Anyway, yeah, I think my, it's important. Go my ahead.
0: girl, my girlfriend's. Uh, she majored in anthropology. Oh, nice. And uh, she's not interested in the UFO subject whatsoever. <laughs> like, she's like, sure, I, I believe that they're around. You know, you seem to like it, so okay, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I think this is the first book that she's going to read because I was like, I was reading her some passages out of it. I'm like, well, check this out, Miss Anthropologist. Right. <laughs> and she was like, whoa, that's really interesting. So. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I have my, my students can, can read it if they want. I don't obviously can't require it for a class or anything, mm-hmm. but um, I tell them, I'm like, this is three, 400 anthropology, 400 level anthropology with mm-hmm. some aspects of this, like especially the, the neoteny heterochrony pedomorphosis stuff. Like that's what we study in grad school. A big part of my dissertation was on those aspects of the retention of juvenileized traits. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a, Obviously, because of my background, a very anthropological book.
0: Yeah, I had to uh, reference the dictionary quite a bit while reading the book. <laughs> and that's good. I mean, I grew <laughs> up... Oh, no, it's awesome. I mean, yeah, now I grew I know... Up reading,
3: now- yeah, I grew up reading books by like uh, Paul Davies and Kip Thorne and Stephen Hawking. I do not I know shit about black holes or, or mm-hmm. anything they were talking about. And I just sat there. This was before the internet. I'm very, very old. And I sit there with a dictionary and a thesaurus because we had a whole catalog of thesauri. I don't know what a thesaurus is, plural. I think that um, works. A, a a flo- works. A
2: flock of thesauri.
3: A flock, yeah, was a flock of thesauri. Um, and I did the same thing and and I didn't mind. I, I was learning. you know. I wanted to challenge myself and learn new things. So obviously that's not for everybody. Some people are going to be like, Jesus Christ, I just want to read a fucking book. And now he's like, going <laughs> to learn shit. You know, like what the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> this bastard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ruining my Saturday, my leisurely Saturday on the beach. I actually have one of my best friends didn't finish it. He got to chapter six and I started getting he, into he, the physics he part fucking tapped out. Like, I was, <laughs> like, yeah, he tapped out, man. And he's one of my best mates. And and you know, the That's fact funny. that he told me that I think is awesome. Cause yeah. most people would just pretend they'd be like, Oh yeah, I read that. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. your theories. He's uh, like, nope, got chapter six. And tapped out man but no, I, i'm the same way and, and again it's not for everybody but if if you want to, to challenge yourself and or or if you are an anthropologist or biologist like your girlfriend i think uh they won't have to and they would enjoy uh a little trip down memory lane i guess Or yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah i think
0: she's i think she's going to enjoy it i was reading stuff to her and she's like wait what are you what book are you reading it's about UFOs. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It was really cool.
3: Yeah, it can be both. It can be yeah. science and UFOs. And I Absolutely. think that's starting to happen more. Well, well I mean,
0: that's, yeah. I, th- I think that's how we have to look at the phenomenon kind of is from a scientific yeah. background because that's grounded in reality and there's something exactly. weird happening in our reality. So
2: yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. Some, yeah have absolutely. something that you can theory off of. Exactly. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to kind of wrap up a tight cause I know you're limited a little bit on time. Um, I, I've got a quick question for you and then we can promote on your side. Um, and I want you to promote your band too. Is that still going on, Michael? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, we're awesome. yeah. We're still playing. Yeah. I, I was listening to that CD the other day. I was like, oh, this is catchy shit. I like it. Oh, That's so. funny anyway um, you've met people obviously as you've been thrust into this world you know whether you like it or not who's your faves who are the ones that you really you think huh. their views there and you know you don't have to list one or two but just some some people that you know
3: hey if you're not paying attention to to this person you should yeah. No, I've never been asked that before. I, I really like that question. Well,
2: I asked you with the Bigfoot question too, and that was another one you was never asked. I know. I you You're think an I anthropology get asked about guy. Bigfoot
3: all the time. But <laughs> right? never, never. It's weird. And still haven't since you were here a year ago. Oh, I think well, I've been asked once. There you go. Yeah. Um, some of my favorites, I think, well, obviously I'm biased Jim Peniston because he was told they are time travelers. Um, yeah. And I, I also like. Um, uh, I mentioned Reese Darby earlier. Mm-hmm. He's mostly because he's he's very well known and fucking hilarious. He's one of the funniest people I think alive on this planet today. And <laughs> and his sidekick Leon Kirkbeck, who I've been working with with some things. Oh, cool. Um, I also I just met a fella, David, David Metcalf, and another David. He. he He worked, there was a a cattle mutilation book that came out about three years ago. Um, Chris O'Brien maybe was his name. I don't remember his name. Hmm.
2: Put you on the spot. Sorry.
3: Yeah. No, you did. This wasn't in the questions you sent me, which I didn't actually. <laughs> I didn't send you. I questions. didn't actually read. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That makes it easier. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> you said that, I was like, oh, I must have skipped over this those. asshole. But you threw this <laughs> yeah. one in here. So, <laughs> but but no, if you had sent me this question, I probably would have thought about it a little bit longer. Oh, no there's, worries. There's some people like like um, uh, Greg Bishop, I think, is another good yeah, name. Yeah, I He's got with his that own one. podcast. I listen but to he's that. also really a researcher, good. too. It's not just yeah. that he's podcasting. He writes books and stuff. And he's yep. got just a great yeah. way of approaching this question.
2: Um, we listened to him up. Uh, he spoke, actually, at a, a Utah UFO festival we went to. Um, first time honest. I've heard his name. Very impressive. And I, yeah. I listened to his podcast, too. Uh, Radio Mysterioso, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Radio
3: Mysterioso. Yeah. He's, I, he's, I was just on that yeah. uh, earlier this month, April 6th, I think it came out. Yeah, I listened uh, to it. You what?
0: I listened to it. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. Got it great great people work. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah good interview.
3: And I think, I think there's, yeah, there, there's so many, but I think the ones that you see in the, the, the spotlight are maybe not the best. The question was about who's good, in my opinion, um, exactly. not about who I don't follow. But I guess the point in, in these things I'm saying is that the ones that I'm most interested in or, or who I think are doing the best work aren't the ones that are the big names. Thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no, they're I'm ones with you. That are, they're, they're looking at this objectively and they're putting out, they're working hard, they're working mm-hmm. really hard, but not because they're making a ton of money, but because they're invested in it and they want to figure this out or offer something up that's new and different. And, and I think those people uh, deserve... a a lot of praise. Um, I wish I could remember more names right now. If, if I am going to throw out one big one, obviously George Knapp would, would be one. I think he's
2: absolutely like,
3: like I, I kind of got to know him. I've I've talked to him a few times and he, he interviewed me on the weekend version of coast to coast, uh, Mm. later on after I did it with George Norrie, but he's just, he's, he's very, so grounded, so humble, just a nice, and and he's been doing
2: this for so long. And, and number one, he's just, he has this, He you can tell he's got the love for it, you know? And, and so, you know, we've been, we've been watching the Skinwalker episodes and of course we're, that's in our backyard. We're three hours away from Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, you know, we've been up there and we've experienced things that we can't explain. So, you know, we're on board with this, but, you know, listen to George Knapp interview, um, you know, the, the Skinwalker and what that talked about, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And, uh. You know, and and Lazar and and all these other things that he's been wrapped up and involved with is just you, yeah. you can know he has a love for it, and it's really appreciative. You he know? does,
3: and he doesn't vacillate. He's not one of these guys that jumps on whatever. He's just he's stayed steady throughout. Yep. and he, he wants to figure it out, and he's 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 a reporter, so he's good at you know getting to the bottom of things and asking the right questions. Um, yeah. So yeah, I got I got much love for George Knapp and a number of people that I've interacted with who um maybe aren't in the limelight and whose names I'm drawing a blank on because you never sent me the fucking questions. <laughs> um but <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take it. But but they are doing great work and I think we'll start to hear more from them later on because when people work hard at something you you eventually get through uh one way or another. I you
2: think. see the love for it. That's for sure. Yeah. That is for sure. Yeah. Um Josh, John you got any more questions at all or
0: well, what is, what is uh, what's in the future for you? What are you working on? I think you mentioned yeah. briefly that you're working on a new book, or what's going on?
3: Yeah, I, this might be the first time I mentioned. I just started it about a week ago, um, but yeah, got a new book in the works. Um, been doing a lot of uh, TV stuff, at least before we weren't <laughs> allowed to travel. Yeah, about <laughs> the cabin. I mean, I was I was going down to LA like. I think three times in the course of four months or something. Wow. um, Yeah, I was shooting some stuff, working with some producers on various things um, related to the phenomenon, but also uh, one production company that wants to turn this particular book into a docu-series where each individual chapter would be its own episode and they'd bring on – uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, so he could tell us we're all idiots and we shouldn't be doing any of these things, and and other experts that that can kind of weigh in on on the deeper stuff related to time travel and human evolution. Oh, um, that's amazing. I was going to be at contact in the desert next month, but that got pushed back, obviously. And yep. yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. We were all going to be there too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have been fun, but yeah. you know. Viruses are um, viruses, so it's better just to not all yeah. get it, I yeah. guess. Um, there was actually another cool one I was yeah. interested in that is postponed, so this will happen later on. Uh, the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies out of uh, Arkansas. Oh,
2: wow. wow. It's
3: uh, Rich Hoffman is his name. He's a scientist, and it's, it's all scientists who – are interested in this phenomenon and are trying to figure it out. And I was so excited about that I was going to be a speaker there. Um, but I think they're, I think they're still going to do some sort of little interview thing. I think Alejandro Rojas is going to be the, the mediator. I don't know what the word oh, is, moderator. Right. Yeah. Um, so there there might be a little online thing, but they're still going to do the actual event. I think next year if we get a vaccine. So, um, yeah, I just, I just been trying to get it out there still get the message out there. And I feel like I was so sick of writing that I had to take a break from that. Uh, -hmm. it's just within the last week that I've felt like I have enough things I would want to say. Um, I kind of poured all of it into that book. So there wasn't anything else to say for a while. Um, but after having talked to so many people and thinking about things in different ways, um, I feel like, uh, it's time to put some of this down and it's not, it's not, you know, like the charlatans I was just criticizing where I'm like, Oh, I got to make more money. I got to get another book out there. and So more Stupid ass mugs (laughs) with the logo on them. No, that's actually I only made one of these. I made one for myself. I I don't actually sell those. Oh man, I Um, was about to say,
2: where do we get those? (laughs) God damn it. So you know you teased us.
3: Shit. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. He'll just have to come drink whiskey with me, I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you on. Are, are you going to bring I
2: mean, back your same assistant on this book, or is he fired? What's his what's status? Uh, no, said? he's not
3: fired. He graduated, man. Oh, no, that's that right. It was like yeah. uh, seven years ago. Shit. <laughs> well, he, done, he done graduated, he didn't graduate. got a new job. It's funny you mentioned that, though, because there's um, a fellow who was a student of mine who, when he heard the book, came out, was super excited, and he read it, and he's like, this is great. He's always been interested in UFOs. Uh, so I literally like 10 minutes before I came over to this computer to talk to you guys, Sent him an email like, Hey, I just decided to write another book. Are you interested in, in doing some research for it? Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I don't know, oh, but nice. it, a different guy, but, um, one who he's, he's a biology major. He's a TA, uh, research assistant. I think he'd be a great addition to the project.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. That is that absolutely is awesome. awesome. Yeah. So well, you know, uh, I- I'll,
3: I'll mention one thing too, real quick. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, it was in case he said no or he was too busy. I put a um, a posting up, a job posting up on our our the Montana Tech job recruiting site, which was super fun for me to write. Looking for someone to research case studies related to UFO abductions and other related things.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> Like like people always say, well, anthropology degree. What the hell are you going to do with that? You know, and there's so many things you can do. Like the title of the job is research assistant anthropology. Like UFOs. What? What? You study that shit. What's wrong with you? (laughs) There's a job available now. Somebody (laughs) wants it to do exactly those two things. So shut the fuck Uh, up and sign up for the job if you want to. Jesus. Get over here. Join team time travel, man. We're all doing it. Oh, man. But no, it was fun. It was fun to write that. Um, That's cool. And I, I'm excited to see uh, cool. if anybody responds, because I, I think somebody will. I think a lot of people are closet enthusiasts or at least interested, but... I think
2: so. I, I think you're right there. I think a lot of people don't want to admit it, but there's a lot of people more into the weird, and especially even yeah. doing this podcast. Jesus, I was getting my old change the other day, and I was checking something and a podcast came up. Oh, what do you do? What do you, and come to find out she's this little old Mormon gal who is so innocent and clean, but she loves ghosts and UFOs and cryptids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's odd. Okay, but whatever. Yeah. You know, It's <laughs> it's amazing who you talk to and who you don't.
3: Yeah, um, it is.
2: Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to promote, Michael, and or your band, too? We're big music buffs, and I'm really impressed with that you still got that project going on. It seems like you're... Uh,
3: yeah. You I, I told your, him... I told him uh, right when the book came out, I was like, "I'm sorry, everybody. There's six people in our band; it's a a very large band." And I told him like, I gotta take a little time to work on this project, um, but we we still come together. We played a gig um, a couple months ago, a big engineering conference, and hmm, that's s- cool. Still rocked, and in, in my humble opinion, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't think we would, but it's kind of like it's kind of like you. You rock harder when you haven't done it as much. Like we were gigging a lot, and we we're kind of getting burned out, and mm-hmm. then we took a solid year off, and yeah. then came back and just enjoyed it again. It was fun again. It was new and exciting.
0: Yeah, it feels good to get that energy out if you haven't done it in a long time. For yeah.
3: sure. Yeah, it yeah. does, and 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 especially because, like, I started the band, so I'm considered the band leader. And I've always tried to do it diplomatically, but then there's the issues with like song choice or some people are having a bad day, other people are having a good day, some people are raging alcoholics, other people <laughs> have kids and they didn't sleep last night, so they yeah. seem like raging alcoholics even without alcohol. Bands are hard. But the yes. fact that we've been playing together for seven years and still enjoy doing it, I think is a testament to the human spirit and the power of music to bring mm. people together. I, yeah, it's, it's obviously harder with social distancing, but we still, right? Yeah. Still doing what we can.
0: Yeah. Keeping six adults doing the same thing for any length of time is a challenge in itself. So, yeah. And I'd, if we
3: I'd were totally a nationally good. touring band, that's all we we're doing. Mm-hmm. Great. But we all have jobs and kids yeah. and dogs and yeah. fishing habits and alcoholism <laughs> and everything. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, even. I was in an uh international touring band. I mean, it's oh, sweet. That's it's still hard enough to keep five dudes in a room together even if that's our job.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dudes you say. It's all it is definitely harder with dudes. I was in a band with all dudes. There's two women in this band. Oh. And and it helps, I think to kind of ease the, yeah. the weird bro mentality and mm-hmm. aggression that can oftentimes come up. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> to promote it. The band is called the Red Mountain Band. Thank you, sir. Which is named after a mountain directly to my left called Red Mountain, uh, the most prominent geologic feature here in Butte, Montana. Um, I thought it was a giant hole outside
2: of the city limits. Is <laughs> it not no that hole, one? man.
3: That, that was an asteroid. <laughs> okay. Asteroid hit Butte here um, uh, a couple years ago, I think it was. So that <laughs> happened. No, we got a pit. We're proud of our pit.
2: Yeah, uh, I've been there. I, I've seen it. I looked into it. You've seen it?
3: it. I, actually, one of my favorite quotes, there's a fellow um, who, who summer winters in Arizona and summers in Montana. He's a retired professor here at Tech. And he says, you know, when I'm missing Arizona, I just look at the pit. And <laughs> it's got all of the geologic features of you know, <laughs> a, a <Yeah>. mountain. <laughs> With no vegetation. And and then when I crave Montana, I just look in every other direction. I tell people we have 320 degrees of beauty and then like (laughs) 40 degrees of shit. But just don't don't look don't look that way and it's it, butte, butte montana is an amazing place it's a beautiful place i love it yeah, yeah. yeah we vacationed is. there a couple times
2: you know, i love the old houses. i love the history uh what do they call the yeah. richest richest hill in montana Richest like hill that? on earth
3: yeah richest <laughs> hill on earth and sell it short this montana shit well goddamn.
2: on earth <laughs> er. okay. call me out again i can't send you questions i can't get that shit right okay well you know with that being said so anyway um michael thank you so much for your time uh and your patience you know i mean obviously you've been busy and taking time out to be on our piddly little podcast is uh much appreciated you know so that
3: was great talking to you guys really enjoyed the conversation and uh and keep in touch let's do it again sometime
2: by
0: all means thank you so much
3: all right guys take care
0: all right thanks everybody
2: you've been listening to a fourth hand production